Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast. I'm Cody Fields, the president of the Noseminster family of guitar effects. You can check us out and give us your money in exchange for guitar effects at westminstereffects.com. Make sure you join the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook. On top of that, you can now support us on Anchor. You can help us uh, take the podcast to the next level, so to speak, by giving us a dollar or giving us a million dollars or anything in between that you feel like. <laughs> we'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, Bradley couldn't join us today. Uh, our church, Resurrection Church in Greer, South Carolina, is almost done being renovated, and he's having to take care of some of that stuff. But I am joined by, as always... Hey everybody, John Ross here, Westminster Effects artist and church nerd from Lincoln, Nebraska. So, let's get nerdy with church stuff, John. Let's do it. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but we've had a lot of musicians either fall off the wagon or <laughs> just just go nuts and say some really dumb stuff in the news lately. Have you Have you caught wind of any of that? I think this has been going on for a long time. I mean, you've got oh, the, course. I mean, you know, switch foot and and skillet hit it for a while. Um, I well, mean, skillet just sucks. We can be honest <laughs> about that. They make me feel like a monster. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's been some things I've noticed with uh, uh, with Gunger, uh, namely Michael Gunger. His wife just released uh, her her new book, and uh, some things have come to light. Uh, in that, uh, that uh, that can seem kind of sketchy. Uh, Michael W. Smith is uh, changing the world from Nashville, um, <laughs> and then uh, and then apparently uh, the uh, the frontman for for Thrice has some goings on as well. So why don't you give us a primer on this stuff, my friend? Yeah. So to break it all down, Dustin Kensrue of Thrice and the former worship pastor of Mars Hill before Mark Driscoll burned it down. Uh, they just put out a, a new album, and there's some stuff in there that kind of... And I'm bumping my desk with stuff, and that's <laughs> awesome. Um, so, <laughs> we'll just leave that in there. Let's just keep rolling. Why not? Um, they just put out a new album that, I mean, really kind of, in a couple songs, promotes kind of a soft universalism mm. and theological liberalism and all that kind of stuff. Uh, my main source for this is his Twitter account, and uh, he said, what inspired the development of his worldview and writing the album, he said, for quote-unquote curious minds, funny how uh, these things get lumped in so often, he had a PDF with a list of different books and articles and all that kind of stuff. So first up was The Bible Tells Me So, Why Defending Scripture Has Made Us Unable to Read It by Peter Enns, uh, inspired Slaying Giants, Walking on Water, and Loving the Bible Again by one Rachel the Held Evans. Shout out to Happy Rant for that verbiage. Uh, What is the Bible? How an ancient library of poems, letters, and stories can transform the way you think and feel about everything by one Rob Bell. He also had stuff uh, to process theology, which is basically theological liberalism. It's an Mm. outright denial of the gospel. Uh, He had process relational philosophy or something of the sort and he also tweeted uh, on National Voter Registration Day uh, maybe try voting for people who seem to take seriously the situations and experience of those who have been pushed aside and discriminated against 
And these were the people he listed as being discriminated against. Women, people of color, disabled people, LGBTQ+, etc. So there's one. You know, you can see we already have a mess on our hands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Okay, so that's one. The, uh, yeah, so there's one. Uh, Lisa Gunger, the wife of Michael Gunger, was featured in a BuzzFeed video. And here's some quotes about that. Uh, I mean, they've they've been in treading the waters of theological liberalism for a very long time, but apparently, uh, he's just officially an atheist that now, or, or something Buzz, of the sort. Gunger or Buzzfeed treading the waters of theological liberalism. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> Both. Continue, please. So, quotes from Lisa Gunger: Our ideas of God are still deconstructing. What is it that we still believe? Michael looks at me and says, I don't believe in God anymore. Like, I can't believe any of it. And he ends up talking more. And I remember just like freezing in my whole body because I was okay with the questions, but I wasn't okay with that. After working at a mega church in Michigan together, they later began to change their perspective and no longer felt comfortable there. And here's another quote. We all have this perspective on who is in and who is out for Michael and I which is supposed to be for Michael and me, uh, mm. English and grammar <laughs> do matter, uh, that began to change slowly. You have to conform, and if you have doubts, you're a dangerous person. After many years in the church, Lisa realized later after a visit to the concentration camps in Europe that her perspective on faith had always been a transaction. If I'm good enough, or if I pray enough, or if I believe enough, then I get blessings and I get a baby or a good life. That's not how life is. It's also not how the gospel is. Correct. Uh, what else we got here? Oh, yeah, this one This one was pretty jacked up. In 2014, Gunger rattled the Christian community when he revealed that he and Lisa, who are the faces of the musical collective, uh, don't, don't literally believe in stories from the Bible on topics such as creation, including Adam and Eve and the flood, challenging Orthodox Christian doctrine. Here's the really, really jacked up one. Uh, this was also spurred on by Lisa's cousin being quote-unquote partially healed of cancer that ended up coming back when she had relatives that prayed for a cousin. They were like, oh, yeah, they're totally healed. And then they had to come back and be like, yeah, my bad. That didn't actually happen. <laughs> so it's just sad all the way around. Um, so then Michael W. Smith, uh, the darling of the contemporary Christian world, uh, if anybody remembers that really dumb song, Learn to Laugh, about how everybody needs to learn how to laugh, you remember that at all? I don't remember that one. I'm more of a, uh, a Friends guy myself. Uh, friends You're better are friends for it. forever. You're better for it. The Lord's the Lord yeah. of them. And a friend will not say but never because was... this friendship will not end. <laughs> yeah, but I, there I was a line. Going. Yeah, there was a line in this song. And it was going through, like, these different guys, and, uh, and there was that tag. He really needs to learn to laugh. And he says, Michael W. Smith, and they stop, and they go, he doesn't need anything. He's perfect. <laughs> Which, <laughs> it, I'll give him that. It's funny. Um, so Michael W. Smith, C.C. Winans, etc., teamed up with TBN on August 30th to have this concert that was apparently supposed to spearhead a new Great Awakening in Nashville. And quotes from 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 Smith, excuse me, other than Jerusalem, I think there's something very strategic about Nashville. 
there's a prophetic word that was spoken years ago. I actually knew this guy. He's now in heaven, and he prophesied there will be a shout heard all around the world, and that shout came out of Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. We've had these people who've been passionately praying for this next great awakening, for this next move of God, and all of a sudden, I thought, oh my gosh, I think I'm supposed to spearhead this thing. Could you ever see George Whitfield say anything like that? <laughs> just, just throwing that out there. Uh, another quote, I think what might happen, what I believe is going to happen, is there's going to be a trigger. Like, social justice warrior triggering? I don't know. You're going to see cities <laughs> oh, all across America and all around the world start doing this sort of thing. It's going to trigger a move, and I think you're going to see something shift. <sighs> this is where it gets just straight up stupid. Uh, apparently the name of Bridgestone Arena is prophetic because yeah. bridges and stones are featured in scripture a lot. And they are. I mean, that that is... That, There's yes. no getting around that. They're, but that's still stupid. There. We can call it what it is. <laughs> there, there were not, however, tires in, in scripture. As far as I, maybe in the message, I bet there's tires in the message. There's, there's got to be tires in the message. <laughs> yeah, that or uh, maybe the <laughs> passion well. translation has some tires. Uh, that's neither here nor there. So we now get to the most troubling part. There is an Instagram video that Smith and Winans put out where she says, "God put it on our heart." So basically, God told you. God put it on our heart that we're supposed to win the whole city to Jesus. We actually believe that every single soul in Nashville will be saved. There's a couple different aspects that we can take with this. Well, actually, there's a lot. One is, what do we do when musicians or famous people who have claimed to be Christians uh, seem to fall off the wagon? Mm Mm-hmm. The second aspect that I'd kind of like to address is what do we do when bad doctrine starts to creep into our own worship teams? How do we oh, deal yeah. with that? Or even or even how do we prevent that? Um, I mean, they're kind of connected, I mean, really. They're, they're absolutely connected. I mean, if... I mean, we've talked about this before with the, with the big kind of worship houses, you know, Elevation, Bethel, Hillsong, et cetera, et cetera, and, and how, you know... If our churches don't confess what they're confessing, um, use of their music could seem almost as a sort of uh, um, ipso facto, I mean, endorsement, there we go, um, of of, of that, even if it's not like official language. But at the same time, I mean, our our friends, fellow musicians, uh, worship leaders... Who maybe have followed? I mean, maybe they're maybe you got a, who, someone who's a huge Michael W. fan or or a huge Gunger fan, and um, said, "Hey, you know, uh, this guy put out this book, and I've been reading it, and it, um, you know, like you say about Desiring God, you know, it wrecked my theology, um, mm-hmm. you know, and there there are definitely are plenty of books like that. I mean, Blue Like Jazz was was mine, um, that you know completely turned." you know, my perspective on, on things, um, which can be great if it turns it to the, you know, to an appropriate direction, right? So, yeah, I mean, I think these two things are, are definitely connected. I mean, we'll see if we can hit both of them in the time that we've got today. Um, uh, it, it feels weird chatting about this just a little bit because, like, I mean, 
we know what's in the news and what they've said. I mean, we don't, but like mm-hmm. nobody has like a our beliefs. I mean, even if you go to the church that the Gungers started, uh, our hope or something. I mean, they don't even have a statement of beliefs. They just have a our values page, and it's a very much Which is you know problematic. <laughs> well, I mean, you're not lying. I mean, it's completely problematic. I mean, not even, not even just for people like us who are trying to <laughs> feels like digging up dirt, but for for people who um, you know are looking uh, for a place to go and worship, to go receive God's gifts, or or at the very least. Uh, to have some sort of guideline and framework for this, you know, for this organization to rally around. I mean, if it's not mm-hmm. there, then it's kind of just whatever. And I think that's almost uh, maybe the core of the issue is if we don't have, you know, going back to episode one, if we don't have a, a foundation about the stuff that we're saying and doing and teaching and preaching, then it kind of just leaves it up to us Uh and I mean, we know that that sort of thinking is completely off base and, and, and is unhealthy and not productive. And I lost my train. Of One thought. of the uh, I'm outside, no, you're so I'm kind of I'm kind of like, ooh, you know, plants, tricycle, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the one of the things that's kind of throwing me is I've been a thrice fan for ever, basically. Sure. Um, I, I heard the first time I heard them. Uh, was when I saw them open for Coheed and Cambria and then Thursday mm, okay. uh, in Charlotte way back in the day. Uh, Thrice was touring on The Artist and the Ambulance. Coheed and Cambria was touring on In Keeping Secrets of Silent Earth. Thursday was touring on War All the Time. And it was just an epic show. And that was the first time I'd ever heard Thrice or Coheed. And I was hooked on both of them immediately. Uh, so when Kensru ends up getting seriously involved as a worship pastor uh, for one of the dudes that got me into this whole reformed-ish theology, even though Driscoll was never really yeah. properly reformed. Like, we, we all understand those caveats. Uh, like, Kensru put out some really good music. Uh, stuff like his song, My One Comfort, which is quoting parts of the, uh, the Heidelberg Catechism. My one comfort, both in life and death, is that I am not my own. Like, oh my goodness. <laughs> like, he's Definitely, just put like, out some, some incredible stuff, whether it's, whether it's metal or whether it's meant for church. So to see him, uh, I think, as far as I can tell, he got burned by Driscoll, and he had likely, and, I, and, and this is obviously speculation, uh, but he probably had the man put up on too big of a pedestal. Uh, so we can learn from him in that regard to not put our own leaders on pedestals or absolutely or even our own celebrity pastors on pedestals like like my boy pipes <laughs> like he's he's got his warts and he'll admit to him uh, you look at Gunger it's pretty clear that they never understood the gospel it was all quid pro quo stuff mm. like if I do this then God will give me that. Uh, and oh man, and then so then they say, oh well, my life isn't exactly how a, how I wanted it to be, therefore there is no God. Well, that's just the heart of selfishness. That just proves to me that you never understood the thing. Oh, absolutely. Um, and and that that brings me back to to your introduction. There was a misquote, I think, um, 
when uh, when Lisa was recalling Michael's uh, Gunger, uh, his statement. Oh man, um, saying he just kept um, talking and talking. I think it's actually taking. Um, if I remember right, this is during, that story was during mm-hmm. a time where they were trying to conceive, and so God, from his point of view, God just kept taking and taking. Um, sorry about the oh. background noise. My my shade is uh, is kind of making some some sound, um, but that God just kept taking and taking, and He wasn't okay with that. And I, I don't think that's that's unique or exclusive to their situation at all. I think there's uh, there's documented times in many people's lives, both of, of note and you know, commoners like you and I, that we are challenged when God doesn't act like a vending machine. Right. And there's really two outcomes of that. One is you get hit with the actual gospel after coming face to face with the reality of the law and the fact that we are fallen people and your, your entire world's turned on its head and you realize, oh man, oh man, it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do about the glory of God. You know, and the other way is... And unfortunately, it seems to be that this was the case with, with the, the Gunger kerfuffle, um, that he just ascribed to atheism. And I used, by the way, I used the word kerfuffle in my life group last week. Oh, and a yeah? couple of people got bent out of shape. <laughs> just apparently they had never heard it. I was like, have you ever heard me talk? So shout out to those of you in my life group who listen, I'm calling you out right here. You should know the word kerfuffle. <laughs> but, you know, that, it's, those are really the two outcomes. Either either you are drawn closer to Christ because of the gospel or you reject the gospel and you, and you fall, and you, and you fall away. Or, or in, in, uh, in all actuality, you were never there to begin with. Um, and I think that may be a situation that, that we're seeing with, with the Gungers in this case, and, and quite possibly um, with, uh, with oh, the guy from Thrice. I, 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 I was never a, a fan. I don't remember. Dustin? Was it Dustin? Dust, Dustin Kensrue, yeah. Yeah. In that, like, you get burned and you don't come out of it the right way. I mean, you, you want to, you know, maybe you feel like you want to make it right for everyone, and so... In this case, you do something like, well, everyone's okay. Everyone's okay. I love everybody. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, and so we're going to take these, um, you know, potentially marginalized portions of society and say that, you know what, um, you know, not only do we validate you as people, we validate you as what, you know, what you what you believe in this, you know, you mentioned the LGBT stuff and and whatnot, um, and you know we know that's contrary to scripture. It doesn't mean you don't love the person, but at the same time, I mean you certainly can't support that as a you know a, a valid uh, way of of life, and and also say that that you're founded in, in Christ and based on scripture. Like, so if, if you get burned by someone, I suppose you know the the third option, other than 
you know, re responding to the call of the gospel or completely falling away is one is just trying to make everything right with the world by saying, you know, all, all roads lead to Rome. Um, is, is that kind of what you're picking up on this story? A little bit, especially uh, in the in the Kensru uh, realm, where I mean, if you're reading Enns, Evans, and Bell, uh, you're basically on the road to if you haven't already arrived at universalism. Uh, you're, you know, those those three are almost like a a heresy trinity. <laughs> you're, you're just not going to end up in a good place by reading those people and saying, hey these things are awesome uh i mean goodness it's just it's especially rob bell it's just it's just such a mess there's no spine to it it's just it's just, like his theology is a jellyfish um but that's but man, that's the, the thing cancer, is it's like cancer fluffy, thing. fluffy stuff is is yeah. attractive fluffy stuff makes oh, you absolutely. feel good and if you want to feel good thing you know yeah the kinsry thing has seriously bummed me out because it's been an ongoing process. Like, he's gotten more and more out there uh, since since the Mars Hill debacle. And, ugh, ugh. <laughs> like, Kensler's <laughs> been my boy for so long. He can do, based, musically, in terms of songwriting, the guy is a master. Uh, he knows how to put a song together, whether it's a stripped-down acoustic album that sounds a little bit stylistically like Johnny Cash or if he's blowing you up in the Artist in the Ambulance and Vihisu days. So I know I'm nerding out about heavy music a little bit. I mean, everybody knows I like Thrice. I, I played the cover of him <laughs> for, for her outro <laughs> song last week, right? I That's mean, true. Cash that and Colder Hearts yep. just, has some, that just has some lyrical gems in there. Uh, but let's let's move on to, uh, to the Michael W. Smith thing. I think... Uh, by and large, that one's going to end up being a bigger story in terms yeah. of being more newsworthy uh, because they like he actually did pack out uh, uh, an NHL arena for this. Yeah, uh, the guy made a lot of really big claims, and I don't hear about them actually being fulfilled. And uh, for, I, I mean, think that's and honestly, honestly, it's. You know, with the word of faithy types, uh, it ends up being what Lisa Gunger was describing was God as a vending machine. If you yep. have enough faith and you ask for these things or you claim and name these things, then you'll get it. And that ain't what that ain't what God does. He is not yeah, beholden not to your beck and call. Now, I, I want to take a moment. Works. I, I mean, I want to take a moment and clarify real quick. And we're not saying yeah. that God will not use his people to accomplish his will. That's not what we're saying. Right. It, it, I mean, if God's will is that all of Nashville confess Christ and bow the knee, and he wants to use Michael W. Smith to do it, that's fantastic. Yes. But it will be accomplished in God's way and in God's time. And I, and I, I don't think that, you know, booking a massive arena and, and holding a, a huge revival and holding hands across America is the way he's going to do it. If, if God wants to do it that way, well, he's totally going to do it that way. But, um, I mean, when you look at the kind of the rhetoric around this, you know, there was a prophetic word, you know, spoken that Nashville would, would be, um, you know, the new, <laughs> I don't want to say the new Jerusalem, but that's kind of 
I mean, that's kind of the parallel that he drew. I mean, sorry, Mormons, it's not going to be St. Louis. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the LCMS has St. Louis on lock. Anyways, uh, <laughs> like, I mean, that that's some bold claims with without any foundation. And here's my issue. My issue isn't. The thing I find most severe with this isn't that Michael W. Smith has just gone off the NAR rail. It's that Michael W. Smith is a role model and has been for years. And and this is the direction I'm taking this with all three of these guys. Is that these musicians, they're not session players, right? I mean, they, they they are front men, front women. They are role models for the people who listen to them. I mean, there's, there's a very fine line between fan and disciple that often gets crossed. Oh, yeah. And I think with, with, some, with some musicians and artists who are already on the edge, I mean, John Mark McMillan and, and Gunger with, you know, more creative kind of out of the, you know, off the wall, out of the box lyrics. Um, I don't. I don't think it's as impactful. But when you take Michael W. Smith, who is, who's really, he's been a, a voice of contemporary Christian music for the past what forty years? About thirty, I think. <clears throat> 30 I mean, regardless, 40, yeah. that's I mean, that's a ton of time. I mean, there are multiple generations in families <clears throat> who know Michael W. Smith songs. I mean, you have you know, Go West, Young Man, and then Friends, and then A New Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, you, you've got. You've got generations of this of this music, and if you've been following a guy for so long and he suddenly says something that's like attractive, regardless of whether it's right or not, that man, that gets dangerous. Because if we've grown to trust somebody just because they sing songs we like, it's not that far of a departure. You know, there's there's almost this. Um, you know the subconscious trust that we develop like like you said the whole thrice thing you know really kind of kind of bummed you out really threw you off and because there was this this trust there's like ah i can trust you you know what you're talking about and then they mm-hmm. come out and they say something i mean when when you're if you don't have a critical perspective not, on not, it you know most uh most musicians haven't even heard of the heidelberg catechism much less write songs quoting it <laughs> <laughs> correct and, and and to clarify, we're not we're not sitting here angry and trying to rail about how Gunger and Kensru and Smith are awful people. What I mean, ultimately, what we want to do is encourage the body to actually examine what they say against the scriptures. Like be be a Berean, as a mm-hmm. as as your Lutheran boy Chris Rosebro says. Don't listen with an open <laughs> mind. Listen with an open Bible. Uh, because we have, I don't remember who said it, uh, but you don't want to listen with such an open, it might have been C.S. Lewis or G.K. Chesterton. I don't want to listen with such an open mind that my brain falls out. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's let's examine, examine what they're saying and pit it against scripture. Where with, with, with Michael W. Smith, I mean, you look at Deuteronomy 18, God's pretty clear about prophecy. Where if, right here in starting in verse 20, but the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak 
or who speaks in the name of other, other gods, that same prophet shall die. Like he takes it so seriously that absolutely in theocratic Israel. Uh, if if you said, "Hey, God told me to say this," and he didn't, and then it it's revealed that God didn't tell you to say that because it didn't happen once. That's all it took. Uh, they were going to kill you. <laughs> now that doesn't mean that that the church takes up the sword, but it does mean that we need to maybe take up a shield and protect our people and Absolutely. say, "Hey, these people are saying some really jacked up stuff," and you should probably run away from them. You know, I I definitely agree with that. I mean, and you know, I want I want to echo in that we're not saying that these folks are bad people. That's not what we're saying. We're saying that they've lost sight potentially. <laughs> we're saying they, everybody's bad people. <laughs> yeah, everybody's bad people including <laughs> including these three. And that potentially based upon what they've said recently, the news articles that have come out about the situations, you know, things on Twitter, whatever, is that they have indicated that they have lost sight of the true nature of the gospel, mm-hmm. and and in turn, uh, our our true responsibility as disciples of that gospel. I mean, I'm a Michael W. Smith fan. I am. I mean, not so much recently. And actually, one of the articles I read, um, you know, alluded to uh, some things that that made him change his musical style. I mean, one of those, which I, of course, can't find now that I want to, um, was... <laughs> Get it together. Uh, I know. I'm all, I got sounds. I'm all distracted, man. This is... It's rough. Um, and it was, you know, your your songs and worship don't please me. Um, you know, worry about, you know, what your... Jeez, oh, I got to find that... I mean, misquoting Michael W. Smith is one thing, misquoting scripture is another. Um, <laughs> let's see. Um, Amos. It's actually in Amos. Amos 5. God says, I'm tired of your sacrifices and tired of your music. That really got attention, he said. Turn it off. I can't stand it, he said. Michael W. Smith said he, that he said. He, objection. Hearsay. Um, you know what I'm looking for. I'm looking for justice to roll like a waterfall, and it rocked my world. Now, I don't think that that's verbatim out of Scripture, um, <laughs> but I think there is something to be said in that, in that, you know, music and sacrifices, the things that we do, um, you know, aren't to be the focus. But unfortunately, I think that he's taken that and he's making those things the focus, saying that, you know, I'm supposed to be the rallying cry, you know, for all of Nashville to circle these people around. And, I mean, this just brings us into another point that not only do we need to be critical about what these people are saying, but we need to encourage ourselves and others and these musicians to be critical about what they're saying as well and mm-hmm. to measure themselves off the benchmark of Scripture. If it, if the if the Jesus of the Bible is your savior, then you are to be limited by what we know about him as revealed in Scripture. It's and it, you know it's not that hard, but the problem is it's not always that attractive. And I think that that's where a lot of a lot of this mess kind of comes into play, is. 
you know the the struggles around around cre- the you know the the creation account, uh, the flood account in the case of the Gungers, they're they're a struggle. They're hard to deal with and hard to rationalize with what we've seen revealed in the physical world at times. I mean, I think Ken Ham would probably have something else to say. But, I mean, it, it is... Or Hugh Ross. We can go with Hugh Ross, too. True. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, if you don't want to... The thing is, is that you can't be comfortable. Be comfortable in your salvation, but it's okay to wrestle with these things, but it doesn't mean you need to rationalize them away or right. that you need to completely change your approach just to make sure that everyone likes you and everyone feels okay. Mm-hmm. You can love without affirming. You know, you can, uh, you can do ministry without saying, you know, without um, standing up and trying to take, you know, the whole of Tennessee by storm. Um, now, there's nothing wrong with doing it that way, but the kind of the way it's based off of is just kind of screwy. I mean, we're kind of, I'm flowing back and forth between all, all three of these stories, and I'm getting myself confused at times, so I apologize to the listeners, because <laughs> I have a feeling that this, uh, this is going to be very stream of consciousness uh, during this episode. Um, but I guess what it is that I'm trying to say is that we only have one source. And that source isn't a, isn't a musician or, or a book by other people. I mean, it certainly is a book, but it's scripture. It's not, it's not what other people have thought about scripture. Because it's very possible that those people have dismissed it as well. It's that we just need to come back to the heart of the Bible and base what we say, what we believe, what we think, what we think about what others have said through the lens of scripture. And it's really that simple. And I, I wish we didn't have to talk yeah. about this, actually. Is yeah, what I, 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 I wish we really didn't have to say any of this. Right. I mean, all of, all of these stories, the, the common thread is they don't trust in the sufficiency of Scripture. Yeah. Uh, to answer, you know, as, you know, as the confessions put it, uh, all of Christian faith and practice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and, you know, to make it, make it practical... Um, we're going to have to deal with these things from time to time in our own worship teams. Uh, my hope is that we're cultivating a community within our worship teams so that there are relationships set up already where we can have these kinds of discussions, where people are asking, hey, I read this verse and it's not jiving with me. What's up with this? You know anything about this? Or, hey, uh, sovereignty of God, do you have any resources on that? Or, hey, how, how can I trust the, the Bible is actually accurate and that we know what the original readings are? Well, listen to three months' worth of James White, and you'll have that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or Michael Kruger, for that matter. Um, but, you know, for the most part, uh, within our, our churches, we, we are dealing with people who are actually members in our church, so there should be some kind of relationship Absolutely. Uh, established. And... You know, there there are going to be times that that reminds me of of my previous church, where it was more of a seeker sensitive type. Sure. Um, it was Southern Baptist, but we had a 
because of scheduling difficulties, we had a guest worship leader. I was playing bass. We had a, another guy on electric drums, and then uh, this lady who sang, and she had a phenomenal voice, and she went to a certain school on the left coast, which will remain nameless, uh, but that that became apparent that that's where she had gone uh, when in the middle of one of the songs she hit her knees couldn't sing anymore because her hands were shaking uncontrollably uh, could which, this possibly be the Bethel School of Hocus Pocus and other ministry related was. activities oh my goodness <laughs> Hogwarts that. Hogwarts and Reading. <laughs> <laughs> so in, in, in that you're a, case you're a Pentecostal it, Harry wait <laughs> Wait, that's not right. <laughs> that's, that's not how any of this works. Um, but, you know, since I didn't have a relationship with her, you know, I just talked to the pastor. I was like, well, what was that? Because <laughs> I had never experienced anything like that before. Uh, that was the first time. And, uh, like, I had actually witnessed it in person. And I didn't have the information that I do now. And he's like, yeah, I'll take care of it. <laughs> so sure. So sometimes, sometimes you just got to leave it in the hands of your pastor and let him take care of it. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I think, I don't think that's always the answer, but I think that right. we shouldn't discount our pastors as a resource, but one, but not putting them yeah. on a pedestal either. You know, to to go back. Right. Um, you know, they are are our brothers in Christ, but they are also our shepherds, and. You know, we need to work with them and support them so that they can work with and support the others that serve alongside of us. And in doing so, we'll be built Mm -hmm. up ourselves to do that. I mean, this kind of brings back something we said in a previous episode about community and and dealing with these issues one-on-one. I mean, that's a very scriptural uh, path to take uh, with kind of uh, issue resolution is, you know, go to the individual uh, individually. And, you know, address it with them. But you can't do that unless you have a relationship with them. You know, Scripture says, go to your brother. Not, you know, just not go to this guy you disagree with. So the relationship is, is a, mm-hmm. you know, is, is a super important starting point. And if you don't have that relationship, you know, we should try to work with those who do to make sure that, you know, questions and struggles are, are answered and, and addressed, you know, appropriately. You know, in kind of in a relational context. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I was looking at the uh, at the Bible app briefly. Um, it's kind of funny because I got, um, as I was telling John and as John witnessed, uh, I ordered the wrong kind of contacts a few weeks ago. I have astigmatism and I did not get torque lenses for some reason and I got the new shipment in today uh, literally right before we started recording so we pop on the video chat and I I have my fingers in my eyes putting in new contacts (laughs) and now that they've settled in nicely uh, everything is so much clearer (laughs) and I'm going to make a super hokey analogy and I was hoping you would yes things will only become clear when you have the proper lens that being scripture, we're told in 1 Corinthians 4, don't go beyond what's written. And that's that's for that's a safeguard for us. Absolutely. That's all 
<laughs> I, I mean, it, it might be hokey, but it's 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 accurate. Mike, I am so sorry about all the sound. Not only is it distracting me, but it's... I'm not. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was that? What's that scripture passage that... Um, the newsboys, whoever used in in one of their tracks, uh, it was something out of the message translation. Not, not something, getting something about hell. Well, there's that one, but the one <laughs> <laughs> which, you know, yeah, sour milk, yeah, not good. But yeah. something about the creaking of a rusty gate. So maybe, <laughs> maybe that's just the theme of the theme of the episode. We're just a creaking of a rusty gate, but. Um, <laughs> You know, it, it may be a hokey analogy, but it's it's what we need to cling to. And if, if there's if there's something that scripture doesn't specifically answer, that doesn't mean scripture is silent on it, you know. Um, it doesn't mean yep. that scripture is insufficient for that issue. It can mean that there is a mystery around it. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Because those struggles can be used in the context of sanctification to spur us on to expand our study and our understanding of who God has revealed himself to be and how he works. It's not always in black and white or red, but don't go writing in between the lines, except unless you're taking notes. That's that's good. That's okay. But We are on board with taking notes in your Bible. Absolutely. But don't but don't add to it. Don't make it up. Just because it makes you feel good or, or, or resolves some, some issue. We have, you know, we have teachers and pastors put in our lives to help us through these struggles. And, you know, kind of going back to relying on them in, you know, in times of conflict and using them as a resource. You know, we also need to use them as a resource um, for our own personal struggles because you can go to a bookstore and pick up any book and eventually find what you want to hear but that may not be what you mm-hmm. need to hear or what you should be hearing or reading yep and you know with with the Rob Bells and the Rachel Held Evans and you know so on and so forth um, let's just put it this way if Jesus is calling you he's calling through scripture <laughs> back again to that Got him. <laughs> well, on that note, what are you going to recommend I at, that our listeners? I did read? my homework this week, unlike unlike last oh, and a few man. episodes. So I, you know, so you can't you can't shame me anymore. And uh, I will uh, still shame you, just oh, not I, for this week. <laughs> so this week, um, a book by R.C. Sproul, Jr. So <laughs> you can shame me just a smidge. Me? Believing God, 12 Biblical Promises Christians Struggle to Accept. Um, you know, there, there are some, some critiques out there saying that it's a bit, uh, a bit fluffy as well. But it addresses uh, the fact that struggle is okay. And that we don't need to be comfortable in anything but our salvation. Uh, that we don't need... Uh, to fill in the blanks on our own, but to trust that what God has revealed to us is completely sufficient and can be trusted and trusted absolutely. So, Believe in God by Sproul Jr. Sproul, God, you're killing me with that. Come on, um, man. 
Sprow? Sprow. What about? Cool whip. <laughs> Sprawl? How do you want me to say it? It's it's sprawl. Like that's how it's actually said. What is wrong? What's wrong with you people? Quite a bit. I don't know. It has a U in it. It has a U in it. What do you want yeah, me to it's do? It's sprawl. It's sprawl. Anyway, my book this week is Stop Asking Jesus Into Your Heart by J.D. Greer. Uh, I guess my angle on that was spurred on by the Gungers where they very obviously just never heard the real gospel or they at least never understood the real gospel. Uh, as Jonathan Edwards put it, the only thing you contribute to your salvation is the sin that made it necessary. Uh, where Greer goes into his own struggles of, you know, he said that in the book that he prayed the sinner's prayer literally thousands of times in his life <laughs> because it was, well, what if I didn't mean it? Well, it's not up to you meaning it. It's about who your trust is placed in. It's either in Jesus or it's in something else. And so it's it's a very good, uh, hey, look at all this grace kind of book. Like it Absolutely. explains the gospel very explicitly. Really good book, really short book. Uh, won't take you long to read it at all. One of you know one of that reminds me of one of my favorite catchphrases. And in you know I I haven't heard other people uh, say this, so I'm going to attribute it to me. Uh, so this is a this is a meism. Uh, God <laughs> do, God does the doing. God does the doing. Yep. And. Yep. Uh, you know, that's, that's really the, the beauty of the gospel is that God does the doing, you know, every, every other, I mean, even denominations within the blanket of, of nominal Christianity, uh, you know, see this as well. Um, but other world religions are all tacked on to, you know, us doing our thing and that being, yep. you know, the, op, you know, the key operator the only thing, I mean, just like your Edwards quote, I mean, that and even our response to the gospel is through the power of the Spirit. God does the doing. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's all a gift, including the faith. Absolutely. So if you're actively writing and performing music and would like to be an official Westminster artist and even get your song played at the end of one of these episodes, fill out our application at westminstereffects.com. This week's outro song is by one Ben Horton of the Hope Arsenal. This is The Love of God. Follow us and comment on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe on iTunes and Spotify and leave a five-star review. As always, thanks for listening. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell it goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell the guilty pair bowed down with care God gave his son to win his erring child he reconciled and pardoned from his sin and pure how measureless and strong it shall forevermore endure the saints and angels
song 